Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Welcome to Out of the Blue, you're tuned to 855 AM 3CR, or you're listening on digital, or you're listening later in the week via our podcast, Out of the Blue. Um, I'm Donna, and in the studio today is Farm, hi Farm, and Matt on the panel, hi Matt. Good morning, Donna. We've got a great show lined up for you today, because we're interviewing Farm, Farm Sharko from the Port Phillip Eco Centre, one of our presenters, about a sunscreen project, and we've got a few other bits and pieces, and a big plug for our Radiothon trivia show coming up. We'll be back in just a sec. Hip-hop, blues, reggae, jazz, opera, roots, curry or world music you're into, 3CR's music menu is serving it up to you. You're with Music Sans Frontier, music from around Australia and around the world. Good afternoon everybody and welcome to another edition of Great Voices. You're listening to Hit Sister Hop on 3CR 855 AM. Music matters on 3CR, 12 noon every Friday. Keep these diverse tunes on the air by subscribing to 3CR. Call 94198377. Welcome back to Out of the Blue. It's Sunday morning and you're tuned to 855 AM 3CR. Um Nice Sunday morning this morning. Last Sunday, however, Fum and I were out at Point Ormond doing the first ever Victorian sea slug, sea slug census. That yeah, is really hard to say. <laughs> say it three times real quick. <laughs> I don't think I've actually stuffed that up before. <laughs> so whereabouts is Point Ormond? I've never heard of that. Ah, so Point Ormond is just past St Kilda. Okay. Um, and what we also didn't know that morning was that there was a big, like, triathlon marathon thing going on. <laughs> yeah, Point Ormond is, uh, is a rocky in that reef area. that's in, uh, in Elwood. So you know that big um, beacon on the hill? Apparently it has a name. I don't know what the name is. It's like a white beacon on, on, on the hill just right on the, uh, on the shore. And Point Ormond is the, uh, the rocky reef that's right in front of it. 
Um, it's not necessarily a, uh, a swimmer's area. Um, so it's just north of the actual Elwood Beach where you go swimming. Yeah. And I think the Elwood Canal kind of runs adjacent to it. Uh, nearby, yeah, the Elwood right? Canal yeah. comes out a little bit north of that again. So, mm-hmm. so Point Ormond is, is, is south of that, yeah. Um, it's actually a really beautiful reef, and it's very under-highlighted, we think. Um, well, over the years, we've kind of found out why it's under-highlighted, <laughs> because you really got to be lucky with the uh, good conditions uh, to have any visibility there at all. Uh, we did the fish count this year, and uh, yeah, the visibility was about 30 centimetres. Um, and so it was really choppy. It was and- very choppy, very <laughs> challenging snorkeling for our first-timers. Yeah, it was quite exciting. Um, so we didn't see many fish. Uh, and we thought we'd try it again, but with the sea slugs this year. And we did see, well, I didn't see any, but one of our fellow snorkelers saw one and it was a Ceratosoma brevi cav datum. Did I say <laughs> that anywhere near right? I was right? going to ask if you saw any Ceratosoma which means <laughs> short-tailed nudibranch. Short-tailed nudibranchs. Yeah, it's, um, it's a really beautiful one. It's quite large. It's one of the largest ones we have in the bay. Oh. Um, it grows up to about 14 centimeters okay. and it's very uh it's got different shades of pink it's got beautiful um white spots on it and sometimes quite orangey bits as well i think um i think maybe we'll rewind just a bit so starting from your garden variety snail can you let us know what a nudibranch is <laughs> <laughs> yeah so nudibranch is basically an underwater slug so yep. they are related um, to your garden variety snail, but the difference between snails and slugs is that slugs don't have shells, mm-hmm. not not where you can see it anyway. Some of them will have an internal shell or like a, what they call a remnant of a shell. So evolution is phasing it out basically. Um, but these nudibranchs are uh, recognizable as just sort of slugs and often they have really beautiful colors. Mm. Those are the ones that you always see the fancy pants photos of, obviously, because they're so photogenic. Um, and the nudie does actually mean something, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, It does yeah. actually mean Yeah, so nudie. nudie brank means uh, naked gills. Mm. And, and so, so you, you can, can recognize those. them yeah. because they have external gills. Obviously, they live underwater, so yeah. they'll need to, you know, somehow get oxygen from the water. So they have um, kind of on their butts, they have these little uh, feathery pokey bits that are sticking out and those are their external gills and then on the front you can recognize their their head because they have two rhinophores which are two little kind of like uh antennae like um you know externalized uh things that they use to smell with Mm. so Mm. rhino 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 means nose Mm. um so it, it they smell chemicals in the water and that's how they know where each other is um, and how they can find each other and where the food is and things like that. Um, so interesting thing about nudibranchs is that there are many, many different species in Port Phillip Bay. I was going to say, mm. um, when I was in undergrad and diving for the first time, I'd never actually heard of them before and I just could not believe that we had something that colourful and amazing yeah. looking in Port Phillip Bay. Yeah. So how many species do you think we have? Uh, it's a little bit unclear. Um Professor Steve from Sydney University, who actually started the sea slug census up in New South Wales, he came down uh, and he said that he had, I think they did a rock pool ramble or something like that in uh, around Anglesey or Surf Coast, and they found like 80 species wow. in just one Wow. One That's trip. incredible. Yeah, and these are obviously not just the fancy pants looking ones, right? Not just the colorful <laughs> ones, but um, the the very, very tiny ones as well that are very uh, camouflaged, mm. basically, because when you're a slug, you know, can be 
you know you don't have a shell you still need to go out there and eat so you're pretty uh, vulnerable um, so are they poisonous do you know is that why they're so colorful yeah so so some of them are colorful because they want to scare off the predators and say you know they have these colors to say I'm really dangerous I'm poisonous don't eat me and the way some of those species have adapted um, to prevent predation is really interesting so they'll um, some species will go and they'll eat parts of an anemone or, or other, you know, stingy thing that has nettle cells in it. Um, and then they can transport through their gut, they can transport these nettle cells without setting them off and put them in a specific kind of papules in their backs. And so they actually use the nettle cells from the things that they eat to... Um, in, in their own armory, basically. Mm. So. Don't they do the same with algae? They can actually incorporate algae and photosynthesize. Yeah, some species well. do that as well. So you, so you can imagine there's, you know, we, we, we talk about nudibranchs as one group, but mm. there is an immense variety in lifestyles and life cycles and things like that um, within the group. And I think that's, yeah, that's a super interesting thing um, where they, you know, use other species for their own uh, protection and uh, against predators. Yeah. So that's uh, really interesting. So Donna, you, you went for a search for these I did, yes. <laughs> I joined in as well. Didn't find any nudibranchs, unfortunately. Visibility was great, though. Uh, the visibility was change. the best that's ever been at Is Point Ormond. We were so lucky. Than 30 centimeters oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. No, it it's was like a it couple was really of meters. Good. Yeah, wow. it was really good. Yeah, yeah. Um, saw a few rays and, yeah, other fish and heaps of sea stars. So many different yeah, sea stars. lots of different yeah. ones. Unfortunately, a few of the invasive species as well. Yeah. Um, the Northern Pacific sea star, but most of them, the vast majority, yeah. were the common little... sea stars in many different colors from red to blue. Yeah, I, I saw a bunch photos. of uh, uh, Tosia australis, which is the biscuit sea star. Oh, yeah, I saw a few of them. Yeah, the, really the flat cool. ones that are yeah. super orange. And they always remind me of, do you remember the cartoon of uh, Alice in Wonderland, the Disney one? No. Oh, well, they had, you know, that. it always mm-hmm. reminds me of the biscuits that say eat me <laughs> on the, you know, like they call it biscuit seesaw and they actually look like cupcakes or, you know, yeah, like they that do sort look of thing. Yeah. So they're just yeah. a little pentagon, aren't they? They don't have yeah. the typical arms that people yeah. might think. And then they got the fun little spots all over them. Yeah. 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 And really, sometimes really beautiful markings as well. Sometimes they've got four arms. Mm. Uh, Depends a little bit on the species. And they have some variation within the species. Um, But yeah, the common sea star is beautiful as well. And I don't know if you notice these, but massive 11 armed sea stars. Yeah, huge. Lots of them. Uh, And so the 11 armed sea star (laughs) is, uh, is a native species in Port Phillip Bay. And they can grow up to half a meter in Seriously, in diameter, yeah, from arm to arm. That's they, huge. And these that ones that huge. we saw at Point Ormond were quite large. They were mm. oh, between 30 and 40 centimeters in diameter. Wow. I haven't followed it up, but there was evidence um, from research a while back that they were um, actually predating on the North Pacific Sea side. Yeah. Do you know if that's... Uh, I think it was... Um, that was observed by a diver, mm-hmm. um, but it hasn't... I, I can't remember if it's actually been recorded anywhere so i don't think anyone's filmed it yet mm. um but there yeah that that sort of uh, that's going around at the moment and i'm really hoping that somebody can um you know film that at some stage because that would mean that basically that's the only real true predator of mm. the northern pacific sea star and you know we need mm. those obviously yeah definitely yeah so i believe the nudibranch survey is going to happen annually now in Victoria because yeah. it's been going for a few years in New South Wales and Queensland. I think there are a few calls for um, 
<laughs> for it to be earlier in the year when it's a little bit warmer. <laughs> I didn't actually think it was that cold. Vic- I thought Victorian it would be freezing. Problems. But yeah. <laughs> it wasn't too bad. Yeah. It wasn't too bad. It was still about 18 or 19 in the water and mm. still is. So Climate change still... ain't that bad after all, eh? <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> Go scrub your mouth out with no. some soap mat. No. <laughs> soap and salt water. Yeah. I was, it was a really good – I mean, it was a really good day, though, getting everyone yeah. in the water. And I think one of the one of the really great things about doing these kinds of surveys, you know, is really um, – it's really great to just get together because mm. we ended up seeing a lot of people there that we hadn't seen for a while. Uh, and just to get into the water and enjoy nature and enjoy the marine environment and everything that Victoria has to offer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went for my first dive of the season, <laughs> my first scuba dive after this sea slug um, sends in, in Elwood. We drove down to Flinders Pier in Flinders on the Mornington Peninsula and we did another another survey there. Um, and tell us what you saw. Oh, well, we saw more of our uh, ceratosomas. Yep. So we saw three of those. Not much else um, in terms of nudibranchs, but just everything else on the Flinders Pier was absolutely beautiful. Um, so we stuck our head under, and before we had even um, descended properly, uh, I could already see a little pygmy uh, leather jacket oh. sort of like floating around the, the bottom. Um, so leather jackets are of the filefish family and they um it's probably i'll probably put a photo on the facebook page <laughs> because yeah. it's a little hard to describe <laughs> but they've got really big heads with uh, protruding snouts and they've got some teeth as well and um they come in very many different species in port Phillip bay and many different beautiful colorings and markings um but the pygmy, very what would you describe they're kind of like almost diamond shaped from the side yeah a little bit they're flat very narrow yeah, yeah yeah so they're quite flat i'm trying um, to think of something else that would sort of mark yeah it's a bit hard to describe yeah. but the pygmy leather jacket is the the smallest one the yeah. smallest species we have in port Phillip bay and i was quite pleasantly surprised to see one so shallow because flinders pier is only about oh it's about a maximum four meters depth mm. um so it's a, a very easy easy scuba dive with lots of stuff to see uh and then before we even reached the first pylons pier pylons to look for nudibranchs um we just noticed all of these shores cowfish everywhere uh, and the shores cowfish are, they look a little bit like a suitcase, mm. always find, with little <laughs> horns on yeah. the front. So they have an, an internal skeleton that is actually like a box. So rather than having ribs, um, they're actually box-shaped, and that protects them from all kinds of predators, obviously. But the shores cowfish is one of the two species we get there. The other one is the, oh, what's it called? Oh, ornate cowfish. Mm. Uh, and the males are absolutely stunningly colored. So both males and females have beautiful lined patterns in white and brown and orange on the side. But the males have these really beautiful fan-like orange tails with lots of uh, blue uh, um, blue detail on them. Um, and it was it was really lovely to see them in the shallows as well and so many of them so Did they come and check you out i usually yeah find them quite inquisitive they are <laughs> i think i think you know you get a little bit arrogant when you've got a skeleton that protects <laughs> you like a suitcase right yeah. so you can actually um go in and, and hang out and, and check out those big things that mm. blow bubbles when they when they get into the water <laughs> <laughs> i saw uh, so something really um, square and box shaped as well it was yellow and green mostly <laughs> It was a Medicare card. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we That's found right. a Medicare card. And a driver's expi- license. And a driver's license, yeah. yeah. That was in Point Ormond's. Um, it yeah. expired in 1998. And it was, like, completely fine, this yeah. Medicare card. I don't know how long it had been in the water there. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Medicare cards, they will be around in the environment for longer than Medicare will exist, probably. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. And you saw the 
Smooth Ray down at Flinders. Yes, yeah. so we saw the one Southern Smooth Ray. Smooth Ray. Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, absolutely huge, huge yeah. animals. But um, yeah, very, very beautiful to see. And uh, yeah, so and lots of other stuff. Just I can, if you, um, you know, even if you're a snorkeler, just mm. go to Flinders Pier when it's low tide if you're snorkeling I and have Flinders a look. Pier. It's, it's beautiful. And we, we saw, do see dragons, of I course. I went with a friend down to Flinders Pier once and we saw one of those giant smooth rays. It was amazing. And <laughs> she's Canadian and hilarious. And she, we were snorkeling along and it kind of swam past and she just stuck her head out of the water and she's like, oh my God, was that a whale? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the same thing happened to me first time I ever so dived funny. in Victoria. I was at mm. Raipia and I was about, oh, I was floating above the sand about maybe 30, 25, 30 centimeters above the sand because I was looking at a seahorse that was actually just right on the bottom, um, just holding on to a bit of seaweed. And so I was really, really looking closely at the seahorse and all of a sudden this smooth ray sweeps underneath oh. me, underneath me, nearly touching me. And I had no idea they were there, so I nearly got a heart attack down <laughs> right there. Um, and then it just sort of like, you know, kept coming back and, and, and swimming in these um, figure eights. And it was wow. absolutely beautiful. So, yeah, that was my introduction to one of those big boys. Amazing. Yeah. They, they seem disproportionately large underwater. I remember the first one I saw was at Flinders diving. And I think I was doing something the same, looking at the bottom. And then I just felt this massive shadow go over my head. And I thought, oh what, have we got whales down here now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, underwater, when you look through a scuba mask, everything looks 25% bigger. Um, yeah. So, you yeah. know, that and makes it even larger. In the retelling of the story, I think that adds another 25%. Maybe. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to Out of the Blue on 855 AM, um, 3CR. I just wanted to remind everyone that our Radiothon is coming up very soon. It will be from the 4th until the 17th of June. And as our fundraiser for Out of the Blue for Radiothon, we'd like to invite you to buy some tickets to our trivia night. Yay. It's going to be awesome. Um, so our <laughs> trivia night will be in Highlander Bar in the CBD. It's a, a very short uh, distance walk from the Melbourne Aquarium. It will be on the 23rd of May, and we are going to start from about 6 p.m. So get a team together. If you want to be on my team, please let us know <clears> via <throat> the Facebook page because I need people I need people who know about politics and um, geography <laughs> and sports, please. <laughs> so do please come to our fundraiser or bring your own team, of course and uh, support us to keep us on the air. Loads of awesome prizes too. We should give a bit of a shout out to a few people. Melbourne Museum have been great. Um, clean drink bottles have been great. Got heaps of donations from um, the Sports History Museum as well. So yeah, and I think the Melbourne Aquarium's people. donating yep. some tickets. Melbourne so Aquarium. yeah, plenty of really good stuff to win. So London and American come. supply stores. Yeah. Promotion there. Um, <laughs> yeah, so heaps of great prizes for you to win as well. So please, that's come awesome. along. So we're going to do a bit of a interview with Farm now <laughs> about one of her projects at the Port Phillip Eco Centre called the Sunscreen Project. So Farm, can you give us just a bit of an overview about what that is? What is the Sunscreen Project? Yeah, we talked about it um, a, a few months ago when we were just about to start. Um, so the Sunscreen Project is a working title. We have a, a, a partnership with RMIT University. They were awarded a three-year federal citizen science grant um, by the federal government to look at the effects of sunscreen that we use as, as you know, people for um, uh, protection uh, in Port Phillip Bay in temperate waters. And that's 
uh, a research that hasn't really been done before. So there's plenty of news and uh, plenty of uh, things known about sunscreen and their effects in the water in tropical places. So mostly sunscreen chemicals and their effect on on coral reefs and, and uh, tropical species. But it's never been done in in temperate waters before. And so Port Phillip Bay is um, the first time they're actually going to look at it. Cool. And what effects have been noted in other areas in more tropical areas so yeah it's actually quite scary because um the chemicals in sunscreen um there are many different ones of them and not every chemical is in every sunscreen um Mm. but we know of actually quite a bunch that have quite a detrimental effect on coral reefs in very small quantities so that's very important to note that even in very very small concentrations um some of these chemicals are really really lethal to coral reefs so there's One of the main culprits is oxybenzone. Uh, Sometimes if you look on your your, uh, sunscreen packaging, you can sometimes it's called three oxybenzone. Mm. Um, And this chemical uh, has an effect on coral planulae. And a planula is basically a, um, a, a coral larvae because corals start their lives as eggs, fertilized eggs floating around in the water column, and then they develop themselves into larvae, and then they swim down and they attach somewhere to a rock or another piece of coral and start growing from there and forming their skeleton. Now, what oxybenzone does, it actually messes with the way that the genes are expressed of these planulae. So instead of um, sitting down on a rock and attaching themselves and starting to grow a coral skeleton, those planulae, those larvae, will actually encapsulate themselves in their own skeleton. Wow. Now, you can imagine, yeah. you know, that's that's not very healthy, so no. they will die. So it's really bad mm. for coral uh, regrowth. And because coral reefs are already under threat from so many things, including climate change, pesticides, fertilizers, you know, runoff from agricultural uh, areas, things like that, this doesn't seem, you know, it, it, they really can't use another threat like this uh, yeah. to prevent them from actually reestablishing as well yeah. uh, and regrowing and another uh, and other particles that are in sunscreen that uh, RMIT is in, uh, looking at in particular are nanoparticles mm-hmm. so um, active ingredients in sunscreens are usually usually metals so it could be zinc oxide and titanium oxide those two are, are quite well known and, and very much used and when you use zinc oxide in a larger as in a larger size, so it means that you know the, the, the tiny molecules and particles of zinc oxide are, are quite large. That's what makes it white. So when you put zinc on your face, you know it leaves that white stripes yeah. and things. Um, so that's when it's in its larger form, and that is totally reef safe. Yeah. So if you have a sunscreen and it's, it has zinc oxide in it, it's totally fine. The difference is when it becomes so small that it's nano size. And that means that it is so small that it can actually mess, it can actually get into the cells of animals because it moves through the cell membrane and it can wreak havoc inside the cell. Um, And that is where industry is currently a little bit rogue. So the nano industry uh, is, is, is using these nanoparticles for different things. Um, and it's a very fascinating mm. new industry, actually. Yeah, it's actually. amazing science. Yeah, 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 amazing stuff going on. But the problem is that science is a little bit behind at the moment. So mm-hmm. uh, th- it's not known exactly what the effects are of some nanoparticles on the environment. Yeah. Um, so that is what RMIT is trying to work out as well. Cool. Um, so we are specifically looking, they are specifically looking at uh, the, the bottom of the food chain, mm-hmm. right? Because we don't have that many corals in Port Phillip Bay. We do have them. We do have temperate water corals, but we don't have the massive reefs like you have in tropical places. Um, so what they're looking at is basically the food source that starts. Yeah. 
everything off in Port Phillip mm-hmm. Bay, and that is the phytoplankton, mm-hmm. right? So phytoplankton uh, captures the sun, the sun's rays, and they photosynthesize through um, a chemical in their uh, in their cells called uh, chlorof- chlorophyll A. And so RMIT is looking at the concentrations of sunscreen in the bay and also what effect those nanoparticles of zinc oxide and titanium oxide and oxybenzone and other chemicals might have on the chlorophyll A. So that's how they measure that. And how are you taking the samples? So how are you getting all of this information to RMIT? Oh, it's been a fantastic <laughs> uh, adventure <laughs> this summer. Yeah. Um, so basically what the Eco Center does, uh, so our part of the partnership is to, uh, uh, to get the volunteers, to get people involved, to help us take the seawater samples mm-hmm. for this project. And then those seawater samples go to RMIT and they do all the lab testing on them and okay. they'll write up the results and publish them. Um, so we've been working with volunteers in Elwood, in Rye, and in St Kilda this summer uh, for seven days on each uh, on each location. We've had amazing people getting up at five in the morning so they could th- take their first seawater sample of the day at 6 a.m. Um, <laughs> and then going through the whole day every four hours until 10 p.m. in the evening. Yeah. Um, so I guess, you know, if, if any of my volunteers are listening, thank you guys so much. <laughs> you have been absolutely amazing uh, collecting all this. And uh, a little bit later in the year, we will hopefully be um, getting the first results back. So this has only been for the summer. We're going to do another run of this in winter Mm -hmm. and then summer again next year and then winter again. So we're doing it for three years, seasonally bound. And when the first results come in, I'll be sure to update everyone. I was going to say we'll have to get you back on, but I think we'll be here anyway. (laughs) So that's great. And we should also just make sure that um, we're not recommending you don't wear sunscreen. Absolutely. Just wear sunscreen. Please do. So the point point of this is that we make sure that we know which chemicals can be avoided and which sunscreens can be safe for people because we think that people and both you know both people and and the environment can be safe using sunscreen well that's all we have time for today on out of the blue hopefully we'll see you at the trivia night coming up soon uh stick around for out of the pan coming up next Nothing is ground 